you're literally letting it evolve with your own thinking almost in real time, right? Like if you look at like six months ago, I was doing something and I found a better way to do it. I was like, all right, I should influence this in my thinking. So it's kind of like growing with you. It's really weird because, or cool, but weird. In some ways, it's like a shadow of you that can keep growing with you. In some ways, it's the best mentor, friend, coach that you wish you had, but you didn't, and you can create one. So it's really interesting. Welcome to the Super Managers Podcast, where we interview leaders from all walks of life to tease out the habits, thought patterns, learnings, and experiences that help them be extraordinary at the fine craft of management. Our goal is to bring you the lessons and the insights so that you don't have to learn through your own mistakes, but so that you can shortcut your way to being a great leader. This podcast is brought to you by Fellow, a software platform that helps managers and their teams collaborate on meeting agendas, track action items, and turn chaotic meetings into productive work sessions. Check it out at www.fellow.app. Hey, fellow managers and leaders, I'm Aiden, and I'm the CEO of Fellow.app. Today, I'm very excited to introduce you to Q Hamirani. He's a trusted advisor to founders, C-suites, people execs, programs like tech stores and people tech partners. He's mission-driven, business-minded. He's an advisor. He's a speaker, executive coach with a focus on people strategy and business operations. He provides valuable insights and drives sustainable change from his extensive firsthand experience across his startups, venture growth, private equity, management consulting, and Fortune 100 companies. Currently, he's the Chief People and Communications Officer at Paper, where he oversees public relations, internal and external comms, and the people team, including recruiting. Before Paper, Q joined Airbnb in 2018 as its first global people ops leader. He played a key role in designing and implementing Airbnb's people and talent operations function, guiding the company through significant milestones such as hypergrowth, pandemic responses, workforce restructuring, IPO, and the future of work. Today, we dive into so many different topics. This was a super wide-ranging conversation. We talked about how to be empathetic and authentic, how to have better communications. And we also spend a lot of time talking about AI and how to use AI and to think of it in the future of management and leadership and the people operations function. A very wide-ranging conversation, and I know everybody's gonna enjoy it. And if you do, and if you haven't done so yet, please give us a five-star review on your podcast app. It really, really helps us promote the show. So thank you for taking a moment to do that now. And of course, if you want to join the Supermanager Slack workspace, we'd love to have you. Lots of communication and talent talk in this workspace. Get advice from other listeners from the show. And if you want to join, just send us an email to supermanagers at fellow.app. And with that said, and without further ado, here's Q Hamirani on this episode of the Supermanagers podcast. Q, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's been a while. Yeah, it's super exciting to do this. And there's a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about. And, you know, I was just mentioning to you that we have this script and we typically start by talking about, you know, your past management mistakes and things that you've learned. And don't get me wrong, we're going to get there, but we're going to try something new. And I'd love for people in the Slack community to tell me what they think of this new way that we're going to go about things. But the world kind of changed in the last week. And it's very topical 
and we're recording this. I think it's you know November seventeenth. Yeah, yeah, Friday, November seventeenth. And these days, it's really important to mention the date. But what happened a week ago ish? Yeah, so approximately a week to date, OpenAI launched their new GPT builder, essentially where anyone can build custom GPTs off the ChatGPT app. And it was at OpenAI's dev day, which was earlier the week prior as well. And what happened was, I think it changed the world in a way where you can build custom GPTs, which are essentially just think of it as bots that you can have converse with you. But the amazing part here is that you can build one by having conversational text and talk with the medium. So you go into custom GPT builder, you tell it, I want to build a GPT that will take my frustrating and raging thoughts and convert it into a polite professional email to drive effective management with to lead to less burnout and productivity and my manager not being upset at me and me not losing my job. That's essentially what I did. And it created this amazing GPT that basically just could change it. And then the cool part is you can upload your own custom content to influence the GPT. So not only is to me, the conversational nature of creating something so sophisticated is so easy. Anyone can do it. I literally mean anyone. And you can then customize it with your own frameworks, your own content. You can customize it to say, always ask and be in a polite, warm tone or always be straightforward and direct, whatever you want. And it's going to basically channel you in a different way. And I think it's it's crazy because I think the imagination, at least for myself, and I'm sure others that I've immersed in it, has just gone wild, right? Like I would create a GPT, I would say do X, Y, Z, like I just mentioned. And after I did it, I was like, what if it could talk in a nice warmer tone? So I would add the tone. What if it could ask me the person that I'm pissed off with, is it my manager, my peer, or a direct report? I add these kind of prompts over time. So it's actually thinking like how I would think or I would be an HR business partner to a manager to drive communication. And that's just one use case. There's millions of them that I've not thought of. So definitely, I think that's changed last night, actually, at midnight, our time. So I was up for a few hours after that when I saw this. Amazon released a similar tool called Party Rock. And it's not as sophisticated as Custom GPT Builder, but it's the same concept. And I'm sure they're working on something that is going to come out that will be just as sophisticated. And then just take that a step further to think of if you can build a custom bot, for lack of better words, personalized to think like you in an Amazon ecosystem, does that really mean I could build my own Alexa skill tomorrow to talk like me? Who knows, right? The world is moving really quickly. And I think there is a lot in there that is yet to come, including some of the dark sides, right? Like There is IP stuff that I'm not really sure how it's going to work. I'm sure someone can build a version of Q and put misinformation and put a bad tone and put it out there saying this is QBot and, you know, it could be detrimental. So there's obviously a balance to everything. My biggest thing is just jump in and explore. Anyone can play with it. Don't hold back in fear. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's super interesting. It just makes me think like in the management context, right? So People who have been very prolific in their writing, you know, think about like what I would do to speak to Drucker, you know, for example, or, you know, maybe someone uh, more contemporary, you know, maybe like a Kim Scott or something who's been on the show, but, you know, has a lot of published work and like create, you know, almost bots in their likeness and just be able to chat with them. 
It's very interesting. Like I love the approach of it's almost like you're creating like a custom function to be able to write professional emails as you're talking about it in the HR sense. What about the uploading of information? Like, do you have examples of, because I think like that's super interesting too, right? Being able to add the context, like any interesting examples that you've come across where like people have brought in extra or uploaded extra information? Yeah. So in the GPT that I built that I was referencing, it's actually called Zen Work Buddy. Because again, the whole idea is like take raging, frustrating thoughts, convert it to productivity and also calm the individual down to prevent burnout or just losing your job. I actually am a big follower of various Zen scriptures on just mindfulness and how you can think through and take a pause and reflect. So I went and I found the on all on open source, the Zen scriptures and read through it that aligned with me or what I had collected over the past. And I uploaded it into this custom GPT. So what it was doing was it was actually instilling mindfulness into that messaging, not just in the messaging to the in, in less of the messaging in the email that it was crafting, but in its responses to me. So the idea was like, if I am in a bad spot, like I'm frustrated, I'm pissed off as an individual, it's not just to get to that email, it's how can it calm me down in the process. So, you know, similar to your example, if someone has done work on frameworks, let's just talk about career frameworks and how you think about career and how you think about jobs. And they have their own way of what they've modeled. And it doesn't really matter if it's a PDF, if it's a picture, you know, it literally you can say, go scrub my website and use that. You can put audio. So you can really customize it to anything you want. And that's how I used it in this context. And anyone can. I think to your point, I think content is going to be king, right? Especially if you can customize it because the LLM in ChatGPT itself is amazingly powerful, but everyone has that, right? So what makes it unique is your infusion of your content and your prompts. Prompts meaning how you want it to go about asking questions you would ask in the conversation or the tone to all align to your knowledge. So yeah, it is a digital version of yourself if you want it to be and a scalable one at that. Yeah, super interesting. So for reference, we didn't start by talking about this, but you are chief people and communications officer at Paper. You also run PR. You do, I mean, again, you're you're responsible for all the people operations. So what are your thoughts on, like, how do you see this actually affecting your day-to-day, like in your role, you know, over the next 12 months? Yeah, so I think there's two things. One is the inside view of the people ops and HR function, I think it's going to change it in a lot of ways. One way is simply looking up information. So for example, one of the custom GPTs that a community member has built, because I've started a community called People GPTs five days ago and now has over 250 people globally in it submitting various people-related GPTs. You can type an issue and the country and city and state you're in, and it'll give you the employment law for that specific region and how you can deal within the law. Now, from an HR inside out perspective, there's two things. One is on the operational front, there's automations, which is easy, right? In terms of explaining, right? Like I even had my custom GPT. I asked it to create the requisition in Workday and it said it could do it if I hooked it up and I can actually hook it up via API. And that's just an automation, right? Like no one really wants to go and create recs in Workday let it do it, which is an operational burden that can be reduced. Oh, so how do you actually make that connection? Is there like an action? Yeah. 
within the custom GPT builder, I believe it's actually called the actions tab. I can't recollect. You go in there and you can connect via API to a system. And this is really interesting because the other bot I built is called Job Crafter, which basically starts with, you know, I have a need for this work in my team. It will tell you what role you should look for, what are titles for those roles, who should it report to. It will then craft a job description for you, look up salary information from sites I've asked it to scrub. And then if I hooked up Workday, it could actually go and create the rec for me. So the reason I mentioned this example is to answer your question on how it's going to change the face of HR. It's like everyone has an HR BP at their, in their pocket, right? Managers have it. Now, so it can change the future of just not just HR from how HR operates as a people function, but it can then change how the HR business partnering function can help the rest of the organizations lead through their own change in their respective areas. Because this is not just, you know, obviously I'm focused more on the people domain, you are in some ways as well, but this is going to impact every single domain, right? Like an engineer does not need to learn to write code in four languages. You can literally copy paste it into the chat GPT today and it'll spit it out in four different languages if you want, right? Marketing, content, you name it. Like, so I think we can help lead how the fundamental org structures of teams are going to need to evolve, what skills are going to need to change and need to be evolved over time. So it's the outside facing on how we can business partner with the business to help the overall collective business and organization evolve. And then it's the internal HR front. So in the next, I would say 12 to 24 months, I think the big mix is going to be, we can do more with less in just the examples I mentioned, but how do we implement this in a safe, and with a lens on knowing that there could be constraints in terms of guardrails not being met, right? So IP is one example. It could, I tend to think of this as, you know, artificial intelligence is the big theme. I tend to think of this as more what is going to be the best combined intelligence that we craft over time. And when I say combined intelligence, I mean, I do think in a lot of cases, not all, there will be a human in the loop right? Especially in the people function. So even in my example, like someone to sanity check that salary that's coming in or the title, does it make sense to your culture? How are you, which one of the recommendations you're picking that the pod's giving you? I think it's not going to eliminate our jobs is what I'm saying completely. It's not going to get rid of the function. I think if you want to keep a human centric approach to what you're doing, it's going to be that human in the loop with AI to make combined intelligence But I do think that people, especially in the people function, if they don't understand it or experience it, because until I experienced it, honestly, last weekend, last Friday night, when I went down this rabbit hole, I knew AI was uh, something big, but I thought it was honestly a bit overinflated and it was talked about a bit too much because like Netflix was recommending shows to me, what, 10, 12 years ago? It's not new in its context, but this changed the game for me. So I think If we don't understand it, we can't help the function. And if we don't understand it and we kind of, you know, it's not our comfort zone or we don't approach it because of fear of thinking it's too technical or what, whatever the reason may be, those are the jobs that will be replaced. It's almost like a human is going to replace your job with a human that actually understands the use of AI and using it appropriately. Because think about even policies of using, it's going to fall on the people function, right? Like figure out the policies, figure out the issues. Um, So I think it's going to change radically. I think it's going to be able to let us do more with less. But how do we reshape 
our entire operating models within HR and within an organization. And all that leads to, you know, the web that holds this all together is manager effectiveness, right? If you don't have effective managers, it doesn't matter what HR can roll out or HR can say or business partner with. That is the glue that holds the entire organization together. So helping everyone get there is, I look at it as we're stewards of that. And how can we do that? And that's why I built a community called People GPT Community that I launched, you know, simply on last weekend, simply out of a desire of I was sitting alone in my room doing this and I realized the world was too. And how can we build that people focused community together? And I hope to really share more information over time and help learn and explore with each other. Because I know I've not thought of so many use cases that others in our people community are thinking about as well. Yeah. You know, what's really interesting about all this stuff is when I think about a lot of the HR books, a lot of the management books out there, a lot of it, you know, comes from people who have experienced a lot of things and then reflected on it, distilled it in the format of frameworks, right? And then communicated those frameworks to everybody. And it really feels like this, you know, the GPTs or the people GPTs, you know, specifically in this case, it feels like it can be this iterative process where you're effectively training a, a framework. Like I think about the job description example that you're saying, maybe the first few times it's really good, but then you're like, oh, it's using a lot of maybe language that is, uh, you know, maybe promoting one gender over the other as an example. Or, and then you're like, okay, I'm going to go tweak that a little bit more. And then it just becomes like this thing that is, you know, eventually, I think like the people in the loop process is very interesting, but I almost think that the people in the loop is almost like a quality assurance and you're like, keep tuning it and it gets better and better. It makes me think about the future of interviews, right? Like everybody, what's interesting about interview processes is, is, you know, you have to evaluate skill, but then you have to evaluate values and, and all of these things. There's a recent example, a friend was telling me like at a large company and he said, listen, we have this massive wiki and it's like, it's really hard to make sure that everything that gets put on the wiki is like almost like in line with our values and our everything else. And so I think they basically wrote some sort of internal thing that every new article gets run against like this almost constitution of pure. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just, yeah, things are really rapidly changing and and it's very exciting to see all this. So so how do people join the people GPT community? Yeah. So the easiest way to join the community is to go to the website, which is www.thepeoplegpt.com. So it's thepeoplegpt.com. And you'll find a button there to fill out a form to join. You'll also see community created people GPTs. I think we've got over 25 already just as of this morning that I've put. There's also learning resources. So there's great people in the people community that are already creating things like canvases for you to think, videos on how to. So I'm linking all of them there as well. So that's how people can go and get it. And I think you're spot on. I think the QA comment that you made on people or humans in the loop doing it I mean, that's how we have evolved too, right? So you're literally letting it evolve with your own thinking almost in real time, right? Like if you look at like six months ago, I was doing something and I found a better way to do it. I was like, all right, I should influence this in my thinking. So it's kind of like growing with you. It's really weird because, or cool, but weird. In some ways, it's like a shadow of you that can keep growing with you. 
in some ways, it's the best mentor friend coach that you wish you had, but you didn't and you can create one. So it's really interesting. And you can keep going down that rabbit hole of the what ifs. That's what I loved about it. It's like, what if it could do this? And then I was like, okay, it's cool. But like this email that it drafted is cool for my peer or direct report. But to my boss, I need to be a little bit more polite and be like, show that I want to make an effort. It was my, you know, was it my something I could have done better? So then I put it to prompt to ask for the hierarchy. Right. And then I did that. And then I was like, okay, what if it can do it in a Zen mindful way and calm me down while it's doing it? So just those what ifs just keep peeling over. It almost feels infinite in some form. Yeah, it's very exciting times. Hey, everyone, just a quick pause on today's episode to tell you about a new feature that I am so excited about. We've been working on this one for quite a while and excited to announce it to the world. We're calling it Meeting Guidelines. So there's all these things that people already know they should do when they organize a meeting. So for example, you should make sure that you shouldn't invite too many people. Or if you're booking a recurring meeting, you probably wanna put an end date on that meeting. Or if you're going to invite someone to a meeting, you should probably, you know, if they have more than 20 hours of meetings that week, maybe be a little bit more considerate and ask, should I really invite that person to the meeting? So there's a bunch of these sorts of things that, you know, you might even know about, but what happens somehow in larger organizations is that people forget all of these things. And so that's why we've built this feature called Meeting Guidelines. It's super easy to use. It's a Google Chrome extension. So if you install it, what will happen is it will integrate with your Google Calendar. And that way, whenever anyone within your company is about to book a meeting, these meeting guidelines will show up and make sure that people know and take a second look at that meeting that they're about to book and make sure that it adheres to these guidelines. So if you want to book or within your company have a no meeting day, or if you wanna make sure that every meeting has an agenda in advance before it's booked. So all the different sorts of guidelines that you may want, and they're all obviously highly configurable because every company is gonna be slightly different, but this is the first time that there is a way that you can get an entire organization to change their meeting behavior it's something that we've been working on for a very long time. Super proud to announce it to the world. It's called Meeting Guidelines. If you're interested in checking it out, would love for you to do that and give us feedback. You can get to it by going to fellow.app slash guidelines. Again, that's fellow.app slash guidelines. Check it out and let me know what you think. So... As we were pressing record, one of the things that you were talking about and you know some things that you were passionate about was people having like being really authentic and you know having an authentic and empathetic uh, communication style. I want to ask you about that, but I also want to tie it back to you know what we can you know how this also relates in, in the world of AI, right? Like as more things are produced because I think like these things you know, are starting to come hand in hand. So if I'm writing emails to you using something else as an in-between buffer, you know, how does that relate to being authentic? But let's start from the top, being empathetic, being authentic. What have you learned about that type of communication? Yeah, so I think in that type of communication, just from my own kind of personal, you know, learnings, uh, AI aside, is what I mean for a second, because it all comes together is, you know, you have to always empathize with people and be authentic. But what that really means is you, especially as a manager, 
or a leader, which I think a, a lot of our listeners, that does not mean you always have to be liked. Like being authentic can always would mean being real and providing the feedback, but not in a rash and abrasive way. So that empathy does come in that of understanding of how you're going to land, reflecting on yourself before you do it. I think a lot of times leaders and managers really want to make sure they're liked, right? And when you're liked, you sometimes mask the authenticity, even though you may not mean to do that because you are trying to just be liked. I have the saying that I learned, I read about somewhere, so it's not mine, but 10 or 15 years ago that stuck with me that goes something along the lines of, if you want to be liked, go sell ice cream. Don't be a leader, right? So there's a little bit of just, you know, authenticity means having the tough conversations, but doing it in the right way as well. Now, flipping back to kind of how AI can help, you know, for someone like me, you know, I'll give my own example, especially early on in my career. I was not the best writer in terms of catering to the right audience. Like I still remember talking about stories. I think this was my first job out of college and I was at a big consulting firm. And I sent an email and I put like exclamation, a couple exclamation marks at the end of it or something like that. I can't remember exactly. But what I do remember was the senior leader that I sent it to took it as I was being impolite. And I got yelled at after that. Now, I'm not saying AI could have prevented that because you never know how people react. But had I had some sort of help to draft a few versions or see how it could react, it could have helped me actually not be misunderstood. Right. So authenticity is also being not being misunderstood, but conversion of your thoughts, especially when you're frustrated, when you're burnt out, when you feel you're not being heard and you're trying to translate those to words, it sometimes there is a translation gap. I know I've been through it. Either it's a mental block, either it's just frustration and you can't channel it. So I think there is a lot of opportunity here to help use it in the right way to drive effective communications, because at the end of the day, Effective management, the foundation of effective management, in my view, is effective communication, right? And if you don't do that, you're not potentially going to be an effective manager. So I have a question, which is, how do you know where you stand on the communication front? Because what I'm trying to say on that is, you know, as I think about my own world, it's probably not something that I'm like actively thinking about, which is how do I get better at communicating? So as I say that, it makes me think I'm probably at some sort of plateau, right? Because, and, and I'm not getting better at it. So my question is like, how do you know when you need to improve at communicating? Like what might you be looking for to kind of give you the hint that, hey, you actually need to work on this. Yeah, so I would say probably a couple indicators. One would be when you feel like you are hitting a wall but not getting your message across, right? Like you've had conversations, you've followed up with emails, just as an example, and someone's just not getting it. And often what happens in those scenarios, you get frustrated, you you know, you know, kind of feel like you basically need to give up. And in some cases, people leave jobs as well, especially if it's in a manager relationship. So I think when something like that happens, it's a good moment to pause and reflect and be like, was I not communicating that well? Like, And you can have the conversation with the person to peel into that. But that's one indicator of just basically you're not getting your message across and how does it do? The other is not so much about getting your message across, but over time, if you're getting feedback on your, you know, your collaboration styles, what I mean by that is you could be getting your message across very crystal clear, but in an abrasive way. And you're not building that influence and leadership if you are trying to be a leader 
you will need because a lot of it is, especially as we become managers and leaders, it's less about what you can do in terms of competent, in terms of technical competencies, for example, but more about how you can energize and influence people around you to do that. And if you're not seeing that, you know, those might be a couple indicators. I'm sure there are more where you can stop and, you know, just think. And I think in the context of AI, forget the custom GPTs and forget all that. If you just go to chat GPT and just put in any passage that you're thinking of writing, even if you feel like in your context that it's pretty good, like you're pretty good, just say check grammar and put what you want in there. And it'll tell you a couple edits it suggested. Now, again, to the point of human in the loop, Sometimes it suggests, and I was like, no, that's not my style. Like, that doesn't even like sound like me. So I don't accept it, or I'll take one or the other. So you can play with that. You can say, just check grammar and put it in there and see what comes up. Or, you know, can you write it in a more, with more executive presence? And you can see, again, it's that whole iterate to greatness is kind of my philosophy because it may give you something and you're like, oh man, this is just does not feel like me. Um, so maybe let's try it with a different tone. So I think there are ways to see how we can get better because I think my core philosophy has been through my life, no matter how good I am, how successful I am, there is so much more to learn and so much more to be successful at. It's not a one and done thing. So if you have that mindset and go with an open mind, I think you can definitely uh, try to learn and iterate towards that greatness for yourself. Yeah, these are really good points. And, you know, one thing that comes to mind is recently we had a guest, Ali, a CEO of Tulip, and he shared this phrase, which really resonated with me. He was talking about in the context of like, sometimes I had this, you know, thing that I wanted my company to do, and I would tell them about it. And it just somehow it just wouldn't fully get implemented, like somewhere down the line. And he learned this phrase and he said, it's one of the most valuable phrases I've learned, which is, it feels like we're not 100% aligned. Can you tell me what the gap is for us to get there? Because it's important that we get 100% aligned. And I feel like we're 80%. Where's the gap? And just sort of like, you know, hearing that from the other party seemed to really make a difference. And so... Yeah, I think I resonate with this in the sense of like, if you are setting goals, but somewhere, you know, through the chain of the organization, it's getting lost, it's probably because there's something that's missing, something that's not clarified. Exactly. And, you know, in some ways, you know, I keep going back to a lot of things that we deal in the work life is no different than our personal lives, right? Like you could be in a relationship and the message is just not going across. I'm not saying make your entire relationship driven off AI. That's not what I'm saying, but- Although you could. You could. Imaginations can, you know, I don't even know what's to come, but you could, but my, you know, it's very similar, right? Like you have to peel into like, you know, I'm sure I know I've had conversations and relationships I've had where I don't feel we're aligned and you're trying to like figure out is there alignment possible or no? Or do you kind of move on in some cases? So it's the same thing. Like treat, you know, my big philosophy is how we act at work is no different in a lot of ways than how we do in our personal lives. This extends even to the remote work topic, right? Like people would be like, oh, it's we're remote and we can't communicate effectively. And it's like, I ask people, like I had global teams in terms of people management for the last 12 years before the pandemic. I never saw most of my teams more than three or four times a year. It was no different, right? In a lot of ways. And it's no different than in terms of communication and you know effective alignment. With today, I have friends around the world. I talk on WhatsApp, we're on groups. 
but I only meet them sometimes not for years, sometimes once a year if they're local. So anyways, I'm going to bring it back to think through anything you're doing in terms of effective communication and what you're doing. Don't think of it just like work needs to be X, Y, Z and personal can be A, B, C. A lot of times can be relatable on both sides. So I'm going to like, I love this conversation and, and I want to go to like a little bit more advanced mode. So yeah, let's do it. This is like, you know, you're going to go on script. Is that what you're saying? You, no, 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 no. <laughs> we're, not, we're not, you know, honestly, like fun fact for the audience, like we have not gone on script yet. This is, we have these series <laughs> of questions. Q is just, I mean, we're just ripping here, which is awesome. So on the authentic piece. So I love where you started it. You said, okay, well, if you feel like you're liked, you want to be like, go sell ice cream. You know, sometimes being a leader involves being, you know, for you to have the courage to be disliked, like the, the famous book there. But how do you diagnose this in other people? So say you have someone on your team and how do you like almost recognize that they are not being authentic? Are there symptoms where, you know, as a super leader, you can kind of, diagnose that in other people on your team and you feel like something is is missing and oh, they're not off. being authentic yeah yeah i mean i think it comes out you know in the sometimes you know instinct can kind of tell if something's off not necessarily if they're not authentic but something's off either the messaging is not aligned with the action or in terms of what they're saying is not what their action is or what they you know they've confused themselves a little bit from my view when they're saying stuff so I think the it does not start with like, oh, they're not being authentic. I think it starts with the instinct of something is off with this individual, right? Like in terms of my perception of what I'm seeing. It feels like performative and not necessarily down to corely what they want. Exactly. And then this is where the, you know, I love being in the people function because for folks that don't know me, the first 10, 12 years of my career was not in the people function. It was in finance, strategy and ops, running my own companies. And I studied electrical engineering in undergrad. So definitely a bunch of right turns. But what I love about the people profession and why I've dedicated in it uh, my career to it and will do is that's where you go in a bit of diagnosis mode, right? It's like something's off. Let me peel in and understand what's off. Sometimes it could be they're dealing with something personally that's really bogging them down and they just need the space or they're burning out and they need the break. And sometimes it could be like they're not self-aware of what they're doing. And that's translating to not being authentic because they're oblivious to kind of some of the stuff that's going in. So I think to answer your question, it's more about detecting, which over time has become part of my it is my day job. So I try to really look out for that too, because it's also you being self-aware and you being, you know, it's a two-way street, right? So if you're not reading or looking at signals or you're distracted, you're not going to catch it either. And sometimes, you know, it's not like I have a 100% perfect radar, right? Like sometimes it's like, no, they were fine. They were just like, they were tired. You know, it was, nothing was really wrong to, your, to my point. So it's really unpacking when you feel something is, not perfectly aligned or you're seeing a demeanor that you're used to someone seeing someone super excited and bubbly and they just seem down that day it could be just that they were sick it could be they're recovering from covid whatever the case is but my biggest learning has been don't make assumptions have the conversation because a lot of making assumptions without conversations often leads to misunderstanding and miscommunication and pent-up frustration yeah love it thank you for explaining that and you know, we're getting close to time. So I, I did want to, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about remote work. Obviously, you were a, 
I mean, again, you kind of led the remote work function and culture at Airbnb, now at Paper. What is something that, you know, now that we have all been doing this, or a lot of companies have been doing this for a while, what is something that you do at Paper that you think that other people could benefit from? Yeah, which is not like a, a very obvious thing that everybody does. Like one of the things that helps you guys do remote really well. I think one of the things that helps us do remote work really well is having a dedicated team and focus on communication strategy and plan. So we talked a little bit about just manager communications, which is great and very critical. But what I'm referring to in this case is having an operating system across the company of how we're going to communicate with the company, right? You don't necessarily have the water cooler chats. You don't have everyone's in the office. Let's just huddle in a room and let's brainstorm something. So we have built a very comprehensive communication plan and strategy. It tweaks, but I'll give you a simple example. We do our all company meeting every two weeks, right? How do we structure that in a way where we're getting the right message and information flow across to the organization so that they can use those effectively to prioritize their work or deprioritize their work and stay aligned and work towards a common goal? I think a lot of these, so I would say that's what I learned at Airbnb. That's something I brought over from my learnings at Airbnb. We were very, we had a dedicated team. We still do that is focused on communication. And that includes, when I say communication, that includes virtual events, that includes in person gatherings, because I believe remote work is best with a splash of in person gatherings to recharge your, your relationships. Like we all know we can be productive over Zoom. We're having this call on Zoom. And I'm back in Canada, which I come to fairly often, love to grab a drink and we will build that relationship over time. Right. So I think when I say communications, that extends to virtual events. It could be lunch and learns. Like we recently did a lunch and learn with a board member and we we had everyone be able to watch it and folks that were busy, we recorded it and put it on. So, you know, how do you build that virtual communication channel, the right operating system? And then how do you infuse that with in-person gatherings? All that for me is under the kind of communication strategy and plan umbrella. And you have to be intentional. Remote work is not easy, right? People think just let it be and it'll work. It's not easy, but it's not complex or hard either. You just have to dedicate and make it part of your operating model, and then it'll work well. Yeah, that's great advice. And, uh, you know, lots of great learnings from across a number of different companies. Q, this has been an awesome conversation. We've uh, talked about so many different topics, obviously going off script here and really (laughs) talking about what's going on in the custom GPT world, but really awesome to hear about what's happening in the people GPT community. And, you know, hopefully we're going to include the link in the show notes and make sure to get all the people leaders and people and everybody else who's just interested in how can this help their people functions into the mix. And of course, like super interesting about how purposeful you are about communication, even, you know, going to the extent of, you know, having teams really focus on it you have to be purposeful in the in the remote sense. So really awesome to hear all of that. For all the managers and leaders uh, looking to get better at their craft, are there any final tips, tricks, or words of wisdom that you would leave them with? I would say just keep an eye on, like, don't get relaxed. Like, keep that at the forefront in what I mean as effective communication. Check in with your teams. And when I say check in, I mean check in with really how they're doing, not about a project, right? So I have this thing like, 
do a monthly check-in where it's a career conversation or just a check-in and you're not talking about projects. So don't forget to check in with your team, especially in a remote environment. We get pretty bogged into the chaos and we talk to our teams a lot, but we talk about work, but just check in with them. Don't lose sight of that. That's great advice and a great place to end it. Q, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to hearing the feedback on how we went off script. So keep me posted. And that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Supermanagers podcast. You can find the show notes and transcript at www.fellow.app slash supermanagers. If you like the content, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you can get notified when we post the next episode. And please tell your friends and fellow managers about it. It'd be awesome if you could help us spread the word about the show. See you next time.